0: Well, we're in a message series called My Salvation, and, and Salvation really is the story of, of the whole Bible. It's what the Bible is really about. God created man to live in a relationship with Him as His children. He created a beautiful paradise for man to live in called the Garden of Eden. But by the third chapter of Genesis, that paradise had been corrupted, corrupted by the curse of sin and sin. Man had been enslaved by an alien spirit being called Satan. I mean, it's quite a story. And the whole rest of the Bible is God's plan to bring salvation to mankind. God's plan to rescue man from captivity, restore us to a relationship as his children, and to ultimately recreate paradise for us to live forever. Now, we're not living in paradise right now, in case you wondered. Uh, But God is going to recreate a paradise for us to live with him for eternity. Now today what we're going to talk about is salvation benefits. The benefits of salvation in this life. Next Sunday we'll be concluding the message series with a uh, message called Ultimate Salvation. We're going to be talking about eternity. But today we're going to focus on salvation benefits in this life. So the first verse we want to look at is found in Romans 6.23. These are written out for you in your outline. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so each person on this planet, including you and me, uh, started out as a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned. And we work, as it were, for sin. And so we get paid wages from sin and that pay is not good it says the wages of sin is death there might be some momentary pleasure in sin but the ultimate pay debt, payback is death and the death spoken of in this verse is, is more than physical death it's eternal death eternal death is the exact opposite of eternal life eternal death is separation from god forever in a place of eternal torment called hell. On the other hand, salvation is a, is a free gift from God. You, As you work for sin, you don't work for salvation. It's a free gift offered by God freely to every person. But each person must receive that gift in order to have salvation. We receive that gift through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the salvation referred to... Here as eternal life, in this verse, Romans 6, 23, that eternal life, sometimes we think of it as often the future. But eternal life for each and every believer begins in this life. If you're a believer today, you have eternal life. That means that you're going to live forever. That life, eternal life begins here and now, continues forever. It exists in fellowship with the Lord Jesus so let's meditate for a few minutes here on this concept of salvation as a free gift. The entire population of the world really can be divided into two groups of people, those who have received God's free gift of salvation and those who haven't. It's offered to everyone, but some have received it and others have not. And yet, let's think about the people who have received the gift of salvation. They are believers. They are saved. But yet, just having received a gift doesn't mean that you fully understand that gift or that you are appreciating or utilizing all of its benefits. At least in my case, sometimes you get a a gift for Christmas or for birthday. You unwrap it. But for one reason or another, you don't have time to read the instructions or put it together, and it just sits somewhere. Has that happened to anybody else? You haven't fully received the benefits of the gift you've been given because you haven't taken the time to work it out, to figure it out. And that's true of salvation for all of us, to one degree or another. I can say that I'm not, and I... Believe you're not walking in the full benefits of the salvation that God has created and given to you. Philippians 2 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so we have a part to play in working out our salvation and uh, appreciating it and, and learning what it's all about. Walking in it. And we are not alone in this. For this verse tells us God works in us to will. He gives us the desire to grow in him, to grow in our salvation. And he gives us, he works in us, gives us the strength to do that. So today we're going to talk about the benefits of salvation that we can enjoy in this life. The first benefit is that we are made children of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him... That's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so, this is really one of the most remarkable aspects of salvation that we become children of our Heavenly Father. Now, unfortunately, I think this sometimes lacks impact in our culture because. Oftentimes, people speak of everyone as children of God. Have you said that we're all God's children? We're all God's children. That's a that's a common expression in our culture. But biblically, that's completely false. Uh, Jesus, we're not the children of God. It says in John one twelve, who is it? Who did God give the right to become His children? Those who believe in Jesus. In fact, Jesus Himself in John eight forty four. And there's hard sayings in the Bible. This is one of them. He spoke to some unbelievers who didn't believe in him. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And so there are basically two families in this world. One is the family of God. And it's populated by believers who are children of God. And the other family, like it or not, is the family of Satan. And it's populated by unbelievers who, Jesus says, they're children of the devil. That he is their father. And so, those are the two families. And so, we are blessed as believers to become part of God's family. Now, human children are conceived through the will of their parents. But God's children are conceived through God's will. We don't work for it, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we become children of God. And what are some of the benefits of being God's children? First of all, we'll talk about being heirs of God's kingdom. Romans 8:17 says, And if children, if children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so just as human fathers will have an inheritance for their children, so God, as our Heavenly Father, provides an incredible inheritance for His children. Now, I believe that we taste of that inheritance in this life, but the full realization of it is not until eternity. Now, as the Bible speaks of our inheritance in this verse, we see there's going to be suffering in this life. We don't enter into the full inheritance of joy and release from all pain. We don't enter into that until heaven, but in this life, We do face suffering, and ultimately, we're going to be glorified in the next life. Jesus suffered before he rose from the dead. He was crucified on the cross. But as Jesus was resurrected one day, we also will be resurrected to enjoy our complete and ultimate inheritance. But even in this life, God provides for us, out of that inheritance in heaven, all the resources that we need in order to carry out His plan for our lives, in order to carry out God's assignment for our lives. So as children of God, we are heirs of God's kingdom. Secondly, and obviously, we enjoy a relationship with God. Romans 8.14 says, But all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so, children of God, sons of God, the generic both including women and men, children of God are led and guided by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of each one of us. We've been adopted into God's family, and the Spirit helps us in every way, but t- particularly to speak to our Heavenly Father in prayer. It says here, by whom, by the Spirit of God, we cry, Abba, Father. And Abba, in the Hebrew language, is a term of endearment that children use to express their fathers. It It uh, indicates a close and tender relationship with our Heavenly Father. We say, Abba, Father. And so the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and that's how we relate to our Heavenly Father. He takes away worry. He takes away fear. He gives us the confidence that we truly are God's children. It says he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, that everything is going to be okay. Now, sometimes to understand how God is our heavenly father and we are his children, it's it's helpful to think about earthly families. Earthly families are an imperfect representation of God's family. But just think about what benefits do earthly parents provide for their children? Well, parents protect their children. Uh, They feed their children. They provide clothes for their children. They provide a place for. For their children to live, some type of house or home. They teach their children. They they love their children. They seek to help their children grow spiritually, physically, mentally, in every aspect. And so God, as our Heavenly Father, wants to do the same thing for us as His children. And God desires for our relationship with Him to be closer than any Relationship that a child has with their parents. Now, how can that be? Well, God can be with you every minute of every day. No parent can be with their child every minute of every day. God can be with you that close. God's resources are limitless. Every parent's resources are limited, both in time, money, and other ways. But God's resources are limitless. The wisdom and understanding of human parents is limited. God's wisdom and understanding is without equal. God loves you more perfectly than any parent ever could. As much as we seek to love our children, our love is imperfect. But God's love is perfect. God can give you everything that you need as his child in this life. And prepare you for the next. And so my prayer is that each one of us, myself included, can grow in appreciating the benefit of being a child of God, a child of the creator of the universe. Our second salvation benefit that we want to talk about this morning is we are declared righteous in Christ. Now, righteous is, you know, it's a Bible word. We don't go around, you don't read it in the newspaper too much. Uh, Here's a story about righteousness. Uh, You don't do it. What, What does it mean? Well, to be righteous in Christ is, is to have our sins forgiven. If our sins aren't forgiven, we're not righteous. To be righteous means that the penalty for our sins has been paid for. To be righteous is to be in right standing with God. It's not to be an enemy of God. It's certainly related to being God's child. We're accepted into his presence Without fear. Because we're his children. To be righteous is to have our guilt removed. And our our conscience cleansed. We don't. As a righteous person with our sins forgiven. We don't need to feel guilty for the sins we've committed in the past. And this righteousness. It's not based on our good works. But as we talked about a few Sundays ago. We are justified through faith. That's how we become declared righteous in Christ. Romans 4. It says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes, in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we've already seen that salvation is not a reward for wages, having worked for God. We don't do a bunch of good things and earn salvation. Salvation is through faith. Salvation is a free gift. It's offered again to everyone. Everyone on this planet. But those who believe in Jesus Christ through faith are able to receive that free gift. It's our faith that is counted as righteousness. Simply believing rather than anything that we have done. And this faith that leads to salvation is not is not simply a one-time act of faith. I think sometimes some people get this wrong. And say, You know, I, I believed in this day, and that makes me a believer. Well, that's true, but it's not the entire picture. You make a choice to believe in Jesus Christ, and you keep on believing. You see, you made that choice. You enter into a state of believing. It's not simply a one time. There's a one time when you first believe, but you keep on believing. What does a believer do? You believe. It's not like I believed, you know, 10 years ago. And that if you're not believing today, you're not a believer. I mean, you believe and you keep on believing. That's what the Bible speaks of perseverance. And we're justified through that faith. Not only are we justified by faith, which is part of being righteous, we're also reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, there's a benefit. We're a new creation. Everything is new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so when somebody becomes a believer, benefit is you become a new creation. The the old has passed away, the new has come. Jesus calls it being born again. What does he mean? Well, we're born the first time physically. And he's talking about when we're saved, we're born a second time spiritually. And so our old way of life, our old sins, our our old thought patterns have passed away. They no longer have a hold on our life. We no longer live for ourselves. We no longer live to serve sin, but we live as servants of Jesus Christ. Now, these verses speak of us as being reconciled to God. Now, that, that's a term we do use today. When do you have to be reconciled to someone? Well, when you have a problem with somebody, right? Or you have an enemy or are you broke up with somebody or something. You need to be reconciled back. You have an argument with somebody, and that's the way the word is used here as well. The Bible calls unbelievers enemies of God. They're in rebellion against God. But God still loves people who don't believe in Him. It's enemies from their standpoint, but they are in rebellion against Him. And so Christ's death and resurrection makes reconciliation possible between God and those whose relationship with Him that have been broke. that has been broken and so salvation restores that broken relationship and so every believer every child of god through salvation has been reconciled to god we are no longer in rebellion we are no longer enemies of him our relationship has been restored our relationship has been repaired the last part of this verse just add To it, those who have been reconciled to God have a ministry of reconciliation, each one of us. And what does that mean? It means that we are called by God to work with him to see others reconciled to God, to see others become his children. And so being righteous is the second benefit of salvation. Now, sometimes believers struggle with guilt over past sins, even after they're saved. Now, just because past sins have been forgiven doesn't mean there are no consequences to past sins, right? I mean, simple example, you may commit a crime and repent and ask God to forgive you, but you still might have to pay a fine or spend some time in jail. I mean, there still may be consequences to your past sins, But you don't, as a believer, have to live in guilt for those past sins, even though there may be some consequences. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in bondage to past sin. You don't have to keep repeating that past sin. Jesus has set you free, and he wants to help you to walk in that freedom. He wants to give you the strength to walk in that freedom. And he's going to give you the resources, if you take advantage of them, the benefits of your salvation, to walk in freedom. God wants you to think of yourself as righteous in his eyes and live like you really are. To live righteously before him. And through the Holy Spirit, he's given us the means to cleanse our conscience. As we confess our sins to him, repent of those sins, we turn away from them. He forgives us and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He comes in and cleans us up. We don't have to feel that guilt anymore. And as we walk with him in a righteous manner in our life, God wants to use us to help others who are struggling with guilt and shame in their lives. Our third salvation benefit is we are sealed with the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 says, It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So in this verse God's word speaks of three aspects of the Holy Spirit's work in a believer's life. The first is that the Holy Spirit has anointed us. Now, an anointing in the scripture, oftentimes in the Old Testament was and the New was oil being poured on someone that was simply a symbol of the Holy Spirit. An anointing in the scripture is an empowerment by the Spirit of God to carry out God's plan for your life. And so when a king was put into office, he was anointed. What was that anointing? It was that God's Spirit would come upon him to carry out his responsibility as king to lead the people of God. Prophets were anointed. It was other ways. It was an anointing for ministry. And so the plans that God has for our lives today cannot be carried out with this, without the Spirit's empowering or the Spirit's anointing. And that anointing is available to every believer. Again, with just as salvation is not automatic, we have to believe, we have to make a choice. So the benefits of salvation are, are not automatic. We have to seek the anointing and receive it in our lives to take advantage of what is offered from God. As we're sealed with the Spirit, it also speaks of being owned by God. First Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And so the second aspect of the Spirit's work, mentioned in the first verse we read, is that he puts his seal upon us. I believe that's what it's speaking of here in this other verse that we've read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In the ancient world, important people had rings that were engraved with a type of seal. And when you had a document, say a letter or a package you were sending to somebody, you seal it with a some molten wax of some type and you pressed your ring into that wax. And it it produced a specific pattern there who identified who you were, signified it's, this came from you, you own this letter, or you sent this letter, you own this package. And so the seal established the sender's identity, represented ownership. And so the Holy Spirit had put God's seal upon our hearts as if he's impressed on our hearts, something that identifies us as being his. God owns us. We are his. We are We really have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And we now serve him as our Lord and Master. And so this verse speaks of our body being a temple. The Holy Spirit lives within us. He lives within the temple of our bodies. And so we serve God through the Holy Spirit. Finally, the Holy Spirit guarantees our future inheritance. Ephesians 1 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. There we have the sealing again. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So now besides the sealing, all these aspects are interrelated. But we add the third aspect of the Spirit's work. He is a guarantee or deposit of our inheritance now in the ancient world a deposit or guarantee worked just like it does today today if you wish to buy a house or a car or something you put a deposit down what does that do it it holds it it says it's a guarantee that you're going to pay the full price you haven't paid the full price yet but you're going to pay it you put down a deposit in the same way the Holy Spirit in our hearts is God's deposit we're guaranteed that we're going to receive our full inheritance in eternity in the future. The full inheritance of our salvation. Now, we're going to talk more about what that means next Sunday in the sermon on ultimate salvation. But suffice it to say, there's much that we deal with in life that we're not going to deal with in eternity. Praise the Lord, right? Pain, sorrows, death, troubles persecution, whatever it may be. We're not going to deal with that in eternity. But eternity is not just about what we're not going to deal with. It's all the blessings we are going to inherit in eternity. And one of the biggest aspects of our, or benefits of our future inheritance is the promise of the resurrection of our bodies. We're going to be resurrected. Each and every believer is going to be resurrected uh, to have immortal, glorified bodies fit for the presence of God. And that certainly is something to look forward to. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he is a guarantee that our future inheritance is going to be paid in full. Now, God is a trinity. It consists of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father and Jesus are, are basically in heaven. I mean, I know sometimes Jesus may appear to somebody in a vision, uh, But basically, he's in heaven, and he's not going to come again in bodily form until he returns at the second coming. But what we do have in this life as we walk and live is the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity is here on this earth. The Spirit of Jesus lives inside of us. I mean, that's an amazing thought. The God who created the universe lives inside of us by his Holy Spirit. And as we learn to listen to Him speak to us, He's as close as our breath. He's not away up there somewhere. He's inside of us. As we learn to listen to Him, as we learn to talk to Him, as we learn to follow His directions, we experience, we reap more and more of salvation's benefits in this life. We live our lives as followers of Jesus. Through his spirit. Now sometimes we forget. To think about or praise God. For all the benefits of our salvation. And so. This series has been a. Reminder to me. Of what God has done for us. And hopefully to you as well. We are children of God. What an awesome privilege. What an awesome responsibility. We are children of God. We've been declared righteous in Christ no matter what we've done in the past. And we've all got some skeletons in our closet in the past, right? Things we've done. We wish we hadn't, but they're forgiven. We're righteous. We can live in freedom from sin as we serve Jesus as our Lord and Master. And finally, we have God himself through the Holy Spirit living within us, speaking to us, guiding us, comforting us, encouraging us, giving us direction. And so we should be daily praising Him. When life gets tough, when the air goes out of one of your tires, as it did last week, one of our vehicles, we can praise God. You know, He's, he's got our back. That's no big deal. I mean, sometimes we get... <laughs> God must laugh in heaven. You know what I mean? We get depressed over a a blown tire, you know, and we've got all the benefits of salvation or something not working out just as we had hoped. And so we should be daily praising God for his salvation and the benefits and enjoying more and more of them. And not only for ourselves, once we truly, as we begin to truly understand what salvation is about, I mean, we want to tell other people. We want other people to enjoy the same benefits that we enjoy. The most wonderful thing that could happen to anyone in this life is to be saved. In order to have the benefits of salvation, a person must follow God's way to be saved. Uh, there are not multiple ways to be saved. Now, there are many ways to explain it, but they have the same basic uh, same basic concepts from Scripture. I mean, people can be saved without saying ABC, okay? So... <laughs> It's the concepts we're trying to, uh, to present here. To admit that you've sinned, first of all. And turn away from that sin. The Bible calls it repentance. The first thing we need to do. Second, we need to believe, to put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Believe that He died on the cross to forgive us. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And we commit our lives to following Him as our Lord and Savior. And so we're going to I uh, pray this prayer again. If you've never made a commitment like that today, I'd encourage you to do it. And if you'd like to recommit your life, you feel you wandered away. You know, and every Sunday I pray this prayer again because it's a good reminder. It's not like I'm being saved again. But it's just a reminder of my state as a believer. That I'm a believer and I believe, I've done these things and I, I'm in a continual state of repentance, a continual state of faith and believing in Christ, and I'm in a continual state of committing my life to him as my Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, today I admit that <clears throat> I've sinned. I sinned in the past before I was a believer, and I ask for you. To forgive me. I turn away from that sin. I repent from it. I, I ask for your strength that I don't do it anymore. I believe in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him as the one who paid the penalty for my sin on the cross and rose from the dead and lives today. I commit my life to serving Him, both as my Savior and as my Lord, to following His direction in all of my life. And Father, today we thank you for reminding us of, of the benefits of salvation. Forgive us for forgetting sometimes or for taking it for granted, the most wonderful gift we could ever receive. Thank you, God, that someone somewhere told us about Jesus somehow and told us how to be saved. We're so grateful that you reached out to us and made us your children. We thank you that we are the children of God. Thank you for your forgiveness, for making us righteous, for making us new creations, for taking away our guilt, for taking away our shame. God, we pray that we'd rely more and more on your Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, God himself, to guide us, to empower us, to encourage us, to comfort us. Give us, God, the opportunities to, and the boldness, God, to tell others about this wonderful gift of salvation that we've received. Not through anything, there's no pride in us, not through anything we've done, but solely by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.